You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric, and this is episode 44. Yeah, hello, my gruesome addicts. Welcome back to another episode. Sorry about last week, you know, I had finals for school, families in town, but we're back, and Eric is more excited than ever, especially the way he's looking at me right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so shout out to Sheila for recommending this case. Thank you so much. Thanks this a lot, Sheila. <laughs> crazy. Well, you're going to be thanking her a lot throughout this entire episode. Anyways, okay, so let's just, let's get into it. Erin Michelle Caffey was born on July 27th, 1991 in Alba, Texas to her mother Penny and father Terry Caffey. After Erin was born, about three years later, Penny and Terry had Matthew, and about five years after that, Tyler was born. So as a family of five, they were living a great life. Penny was a stay-at-home mom. She homeschooled all the kids. She was also known as an excellent pianist who played piano at their like local church where they all attended. According to TexasMonthly.com, Terry was a, he was like a health aide and a lay preacher. They were living in a cabin deep in the woods, and it was a type of house where, like, you have to drive down a, a gravel road to get to it. So he had, like, acres of land, you know. It's now 2007, and 16-year-old Aaron Caffey is working at Sonic. Yum. Love that place. I wish we had one closer to us. Do you like that place? Yeah, from the one time I've had it. I know, we never have it. It was good, though. Anyways, she was described as shy, well-mannered, and she did great in school. The middle child, um, which was Aaron's brother, is Matthew. He's now 13 years old. Uh, he loved to play harmonica. Tyler, the youngest, is now eight years old, and he loved to play guitar, and he was known to be like an amazing guitar player at only eight years old. So this is where the story really begins. Aaron meets 18-year-old Charlie Wilkinson one day when she uh, was working at Sonic and he comes in to, you know, get some food. And the two hit it off and they actually begin dating. Aaron introduces Charlie to her family one day when she invited him over for dinner. When Charlie walks in the door, when Charlie walks in the door, Terry, Aaron's father, approaches him and says, quote, you must be Charlie. Charlie responds, quote, and you are? <laughs> Can you imagine? Your 16-year-old daughter's new, like, boyfriend comes in and says, and you are? Like, he doesn't know who the fuck her dad is? Yeah. That would piss me off. I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> but yeah, so the night goes on. They have dinner, whatever. But it was at this point where I think, you know, they're teenagers, so they fell in love really, really fast. And this caused concern to Aaron's parents, you know? She's only 16, year old, 16 years old. This kid's 18 years old. And they fell in quote-unquote love, you know, at this very young age. So her parents are very concerned, and so they kind of turn to the internet and, you know, kind of search Charlie on the internet, and they end up finding that he, like, refer, I don't know if they found it on social media or what, but they found him, like, referring to, like, all sorts of things of, like, sexual references and, like, alcohol consumption plans that he was going to have. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't know where they found this, but they just found this very disturbing and didn't want their daughter hanging out with this boy anymore. So, yeah, they disapprove of this relationship and they tell Aaron that she needs to break it off for Charlie and she can no longer see him. So I think we all know where, where this leads. This may be going, considering other cases that we've covered with teenage boys dating, or I'm sorry, teenage girls dating these boys and falling, you know, in love. 
So at this point, Charlie kind of, quote unquote, proposes to Aaron. But really, he gives like a promise ring, which actually belonged to his grandmother, to her. And, you know, they're in love. They want to start a family together and all this stuff. You know, teenage love. So, but at this point, like, Aaron's furious with her parents because they're saying, like, no, you can't be with him. Like, stop seeing him, all this stuff. So she comes up with a plan to kill her whole family. And in order to do that, she needs Charlie, you know, to help her. So... And, and this is uh, the early, you know, beginning of 2008. So they've only been together for like five months, you know. So, so yeah, it's just terrifying that she comes up with this plan and she wants Charlie to help. So Charlie actually offers $2,000 to his friend Charles Wade in order to help with the murders. And Charles agrees because he's laid on child support payments. So that's a great way to get money, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron was grounded at this point. You know, they were like, you got to stay with it. Stay away from this guy. You got to stay home. You're grounded and take your phone away. Can't talk to him. All this kind of stuff. So but somehow she like retrieves her phone and she can call Charlie and they still plan this whole thing. Like, I don't know. I'm sure she's still going to work. So maybe he comes in. I don't know. But they're still planning this whole thing for like months. They had been planning it. So on Friday, February 29th, 2008, the Caffey family was at home like any other night. They're hanging out. Uh, Terry actually said they were having like a pillow fight. Like, you know, just everyone was happy. Everything was great. They all went off to bed and Terry went to bed like around midnight that night and they had a black lab. His name was Max and he was like barking. Like he remembered that as he was falling asleep. So in the early morning hours of March 1st, 2008, Aaron is alerted that Charlie is outside so she runs outside no shoes no belongings which he you know they planned that she would pack a bag and she would bring it out there with him right because this is a whole plan that she's obviously not going to go back home yeah because they're planning on killing the whole family charlie kept telling her to go back in and get her stuff but she just never did she just hops in the car so in this car is 16 year old aaron caffey 19 year old charlie wilkinson 20 year old charles wade who was hired you know to help with the murders and his girlfriend 18 year old bobby johnson so it was around 3 a.m. Terry and Penny are awoken by their bedroom door being slammed open and they're just hitting their wall. You know, if you slam a door open, it flings back and hits the wall. Terry sees a man standing over them and just hears the sound of gunshots. Just they're shooting at them. Terry and Penny are getting shot over and over again. So Terry just throws himself over his wife trying to save her. Terry was hit in the chest many times, but the shot to the face is what just threw him off the bed and off of Penny. He laid there in a pool of blood, una- like unable to talk because he got shot in the face, but he could hear them like reloading the gun. At this point, Penny is still on the bed. She's screaming. She's asking for Terry, her husband. And I believe it was Charles that said, quote, why won't you die? And then he took a samurai sword. He slit her throat and then jammed it into her neck, nearly like decapitating her. Terry said he could hear like blood gurgling every time she took a breath as he was like laying God there trying to survive. I know. And then he heard his son Matthew crying and screamed out, quote, no, Charlie, no, please don't do this. Why are you doing this? Oh, like how terrifying. Like, you know, you're, just, you're literally hearing your whole family just like brutally getting murdered. It's just terrifying. Ugh. So this is when Terry realizes that, you know, it's um, it's Charlie. It's Aaron's boyfriend that was trying to kill him and his family. Terry, he was shot 11 times at this point with a 22 caliber pistol. And at this point realizes that his wife is no longer alive and he has to go help his boys, you know. He attempts to get up, but he kept slipping like in all the blood that he was laying in. Charlie ended up shooting Matthew, who was only 13 years old, in the back of the neck and in the head. 
Charlie and Charles then go to Aaron's room where they find Tyler. He's hiding in the closet and they ended up stabbing him three times in the back of the neck. Terry was still attempting to help his family, but at this point he just thought that his entire family, including Aaron, was dead. So then he just like, I think he just kind of passed out at that point and he just fell like face, face, you know, face down on the floor. This is so crazy though. Thankfully, due to the fact that the boys had actually set furniture in the house on fire before they left. And this woke Terry up because he was like, he started feeling really hot and he realized that he had to get out because the whole, you know, the whole place was on fire. He was like choking on his own blood and all the smoke that was in the house. But Terry managed to get his way out. Like he dragged himself out and he was like, I need to go to my nearest neighbor's house. So he dragged himself over and the house that next door was uh, Tommy Gatson. He lived about 300 to 400 yards away. So Terry just like described, he literally dragged himself. I know you're hating this. This is a fucking you're, lot, you know? I know. I God, it's so... You're getting better at this because it's getting more detailed and fucking getting to me more. I'm fucking getting pissed the fuck off. This is fucking disgusting. For for what? For what? What was the reason? So Once she could again, be with her boyfriend. Thanks, Sheila. Yes. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's dragging his body, you know, shot 11 times trying to get over to Tommy's house. Uh, he even described like seeing trees. He would try to like climb his way up the tree just so he can get up and like get there faster and start walking. But he just couldn't do it. He would keep collapsing and falling. So, but eventually he did make his way. He made his way over to Tommy's house. You know, somehow knocked on the door. Tommy came out, just looked extremely shocked. Terry tells Tommy that Penny's dead, and so are the boys. Uh, and Tommy calls nine one one. So here's a, a little clip of uh, that nine one one call from Tommy Gatson. What's the address of your emergency? This is Tommy Gaston. I've got a man that's been shot. All right, sir. I have a few questions that I need to ask you, okay? Is he conscious? Yes. And is he breathing? Yes. When did this happen? I don't know. Just a little bit ago. And we've also got a house on fire out here. And the house is on fire? Is the person who shot him still nearby, sir? Yes, he's right here at me. You shot him? No, I didn't. I don't know any more details. I've got to hang up and help him. Sir, I have to ask you these questions. Okay, they're in route. Is there any serious bleeding? Yes, he's bleeding. Okay, is he completely awake? Yes, he's awake. Okay, what part of the body was injured? I don't know. I don't know, but I've got to go. Sir, I need to know where he was shot. I need to know where he was shot at. I don't know. So, yeah, that's uh, terrifying, having your neighbor crawling over there. Can you imagine? Terrifying. So, once... Terry informs police who shot at him and killed his family. They went on the hunt for Charlie. Within hours, they find Charlie, and he was at, uh, he was actually at Charles' brother's house. He was laying, like, on a mattress in the back bedroom, right next to the fucking gun that he used to kill them. And then there's a box of bullets there, too. Like, this kid's an idiot, but yeah. I'm so glad he's an idiot. <laughs> and so, yeah. That he, you know, oh, God, just terrifying that he just used this this weapon to murder two innocent little boys and their mother and attempted to kill, you know, Terry. So as they were going to bring him in for questioning, either they saw his boots or he was trying to put on these boots and they saw what appeared to be like blood droplets. So they were like, nope, took him into evidence and took him into questioning. So while they're questioning Charlie, they get a search warrant for Charles' brother's house. And as one of the officers is in the back bedroom where they had found Charlie... He sees like a pile of clothes and what appears to be like a large stuffed animal. So he kind of grabs for it. It has like, you know, it looked like blonde hair. So he grabs it, but he realizes the blonde hair is actually a human. And that's when he realizes it was Aaron. 
Aaron was back there. Yeah. So he takes her out. She appears disoriented. And then she asks the officer where she is. When the detectives asked her questions, all she could say was fire. So Terry was about to go into surgery when his sister actually informed him that Aaron was still alive. So like Terry, that gave him hope. He was like, you know, one of my family members made it out alive. So he was really happy. He's like, I'm going to live for her, you know. So police believe that Aaron was a victim at this time. So they took her to the hospital for a sexual assault examination. Terry doesn't end up surviving. And at this point, Charlie is informed that there, there is a survivor and that he was identified as the shooter. So at this point, I think Charlie just knew he was caught. So he just unleashes everything. He tells police Aaron knew about it and she wanted it done. Charlie insisted that he just wanted her to run away and he didn't want to do any of this. He just wanted her to run away, no murders, anything. So police didn't know at this point that she was involved. So when Aaron was still at the hospital, they let her go. She was free to go. But they so they placed her in her grandparents' custody. So when she gets in the car, they actually have uh, an officer, you know, the police escort them in their car to another hospital where Terry is so they can go see him. But like as they're on the way over there, they're informed that, hey, Aaron was involved in this. So they pull the cars over and arrest her right on the spot. By the evening of March 1st, 2008, all four of them had been arrested. Aaron claims later in a note she wrote because uh, since she was a minor, she was unable to do an interview. So she wrote, quote, I woke up in a house full of smoke and two guys with swords told me to lay face down and don't get up. Then they left the room. That's when I got the phone and called my friend Charlie. The next thing I remember is waking up by the cops in that house, and I don't know whose it is or where I am, unquote. Although police noticed that she didn't smell like smoke at all, so they knew it was a lie, because obviously, like, you know, if she was in that house and it was burning, she would have smelled like smoke, right? And they're bringing, breathing in all this stuff. So all three that, you know, besides Aaron, uh, Charles, Bobby, and Charlie, all stated that after the boys killed her brothers and her mom Aaron stated in the car quote holy shit that was awesome unquote what the fuck is wrong with you so pretty much they kind of like all ratted her out Aaron ends up telling three different stories to detectives as to what happened in the early morning hours of March 1st she claimed she didn't think Charlie would actually go through with the murders but she was convicted of murder and pled guilty she was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences plus 25 years but must serve at least 40 years before she may be up for parole. Charlie and Charles were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Charles' girlfriend, Bobby Johnson, was sentenced to two 40-year concurrent sentences, but will be eligible for parole in 24 years. And this is all as of 2008. Mm -hmm. Terry spent his time living with his sister and sleeping on her couch, contemplating suicide Like after this whole ordeal. Um, but he overcame it, and he met a woman. Actually, he, he ended up getting married, but that ended in divorce and then he ended up meeting another woman and they live together uh, with his, her three children and they ended up having a son together nice so um after this whole thing happened aaron agreed to do a interview with dr phil she's 21 years old at this point so i'm just going to play a little clip of her talking to dr phil about the whole situation here's that clip right here aaron i'm dr phil how are you why are you here for the murders of my mother and two brothers. You pled guilty because you are guilty, is that correct? Yes, sir. What did you do that made you part of this murder? I knew about it and didn't say anything. Tell me how this all happened. I met Charlie and um, things were going good. My mother and father didn't really like him. Right. And um, 
The first time he ever mentioned, you know, that he wanted to kill my parents was, you know, after Christmas, that he had gave me a ring, proposed to me, and my parents, you know, didn't want us to. And it was a promise ring, not an engagement yes, ring, right? Yes, and you said that he brought up killing your parents, right? Yes. Why was that necessary in his mind? I don't know. I guess he said it out of anger the first time because me and my mom had gotten into a fight. So it was two months plus a little bit yes, sir. that this had been talked about. Did at any time during that two months, did you say, whoa, wait a minute, what did you kill my parents? I really didn't think that he would follow through with it. I would just ask him questions like, how, I mean, how would you do that? You know, instead of just saying, whoa, 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 stop. Well, let's fast forward to that night. How does this go down on the night that it happened? We had talked at school that morning and he said, you know, just let's, um, let's kill your parents. It will you know, run away to Maine together and everything will be okay. I'll call my friend and I'll come pick you up at 12. And that night around 11.45, I knew he was out there, so I made a phone call. I said, you know, where are you at? And he said, well, hurry up and get out here and hung up. So I walked out the house and picked up my little dog, Buddy, and was petting him all the way to the end of the driveway. Before I knew it, there was a car that came and it was Bobby and Charles. All right, so you're outside, and he says, I'm here to kill your parents, so what happened? I go to get in the car, um, you know, have no shoes on, no nothing, and he's grabbing at me for not having, you know, re being ready, you know, and not having my bags or anything. Then we drive down to, like, this rundown church. We were trying to get out of it. Oh, we'll just run away. But, you know, they kept egging me on about, you know, and I just guess it was, like, feeding into it. So did you finally say okay? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You finally said, okay, go, go kill my parents, my mother and my father. The woman that brought me into the world, people that have fed me and clothed me and housed me and loved me every day of my life, sure, go kill them. Yes, sir. Did you see weapons then? No, I didn't see weapons. How, how did you think they were going to kill them? Well, I knew they were in the back of the car because I heard slinging and banging. They were getting weapons? Yes. What did they do that was so bad that you were willing for them to be killed? Nothing. Did you think about the next morning my parents will be dead? You had two little brothers in the house. What was gonna happen with them? I didn't really think about that too much. Did you think they were gonna be killed? Crossed my mind, yes. So you're sitting in the car and and this, this guy says, we're gonna go up there and massacre your family. And they, they get it done. So where did you go then? Back to the house where they used to stay at. What did you do? We just laid on the couch and uh, Charlie wanted to have sex and I told him no. And this guy came out from behind the house up in the back bedroom and Charlie handed him something and asked him to clean it and it was a gun, it was wrapped. And the guy said, that, you know, we could go lay in his bedroom because he was leaving for work. And we go back there, and I just wanted to just sleep and just not wake up. Did you have sex? Yeah. So your parents are murdered. Did they tell you that they killed your little brothers? No. Well, you knew they set the house on fire. 
I looked back and I saw red coming out of the window and I, I mean, put two and two together. Okay, were you in love with Charlie? Sort of, kind of. I mean, you're, you don't seem very passionate about it. So this guy that you say you're kind of maybe sort of in love with just kills your whole family. Then you have sex. What were you thinking and feeling about that? Um, I didn't enjoy it. How'd you feel about your family being dead? Uh, I didn't want to think. But here's what we know from the forensic evidence. Charlie crept into your parents' bedroom and just started shooting them. They shot your mother in the head twice. These are bullet wounds in your father's body. Have you seen these? This is where they shot him in the face. This is where they shot him in, in the head. D did he do anything that you would consider deserving this? Your father, Terry, heard your mother say to Charlie, where is Terry? To which Charlie replied, quote, Terry is dead. Quit fighting this and it will go quick. And then he heard Charlie tell Penny, die, bitch, die. And then he took a samurai sword, he slit her throat, and started cutting her head off. Did you know that's what happened? Your father said that he heard your mother gurgling for air every time she took a breath. Is that what you wanted to happen to them? You knew they were going in there to kill them, right? What did you think was going to happen? That they weren't really going to do it. You thought they would chicken out or something at the end? Your father said that he heard your brother Matthew say, Charlie, don't do this. Why are you doing this? And then there was a gunshot and Matt said nothing else. Because as it turns out, he was shot in the face. Did you want your little brothers to be killed? Connor was eight. You knew they stabbed him three times in the back of the neck, right? My dad told me. They decided to kill your little brothers because, quote, little ones talk. They didn't want any witnesses. Charlie said the little boys were really scared and he couldn't look at their faces. And Matthew tried to put up a fight by kicking him and so Charles shot him in the face with a 22. Why did that happen? They practically decapitate your mother, they shoot your father, they shoot and stab your brothers to death and leave them to burn in the fire. I mean, what started the, the friction with your parents? Was it because they were trying to break y'all up? Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to break up? Yeah. So you really didn't want to be with Charlie? Why not? The Wednesday 
before all this happened, um, my mom comes home and has Facebook or MySpace things saying he was talking to other girls and talking nasty about me to his friends. And I broke up with him that Wednesday. Within two days, he kept, you know, following me around at school and wouldn't stop. If you didn't want to be with him because he was flirting with other girls, why would it be necessary to kill your family then if you were breaking up with him? What's the point of him needing to do that? Because he wouldn't leave me alone. And, and I thought I was in love with him at the time, you know? I mean, looking back on it now, I know that I, it, I, it wasn't. It was just lust. Were your parents overprotective? Yeah. Because your family was described as, people say there's no such thing as a perfect family. But they said y'all were about as close as you could get. People at the church just loved you, but you were Miss Personality. You were bubbly and always happy to help anybody with anything. How did you go from that to being involved in a plot to massacre your family? So yeah, um, I don't know. In my opinion, it sounds like she is still lying a little bit. I mean, when Dr. Phil asked her if she's... Uh, more, I don't know, scared or, or, you know, glad that her dad's alive. She says more scared because I feel like she's, I don't know, yeah, she just wasn't expecting him to survive, you know. Yeah. I think she had this whole thing planned in her head. But um, so then here's a, a little clip of Terry actually talking um, after he saw this interview of his daughter and Dr. Phil. Even now, as I sit with her in prison and ask her to reflect back, I said, when you found out he was alive, were you more glad or more scared? And she said, I was more scared. She was more scared than glad that you were alive. Because she said, I knew now I'm in trouble. You know, I see what, what she's saying here. She is glad I am alive, that she has a parent left. but. I think she's also scared I'm busted. You know, I'm going to be going to be found out everything that I've done. Because at that point, she knows mm -hmm. I can't lie about this and get away yeah. with it. Well, it's apparent they're covering stuff up. This has been going on for over a month that we find out that they've been discussing this. I asked her, why did you want your family dead? Was it because of freedom? And she says, mm, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, certainly... Charlie is a sociopathic type personality. He was very controlling, always had to know where she was. He tried to isolate her from her family and friends. And I believe that, um, you know, he was convincing her that, you know, your parents are too strict. You just, you're, you're not, they're not allowed you have fun. You know, let's go out and have fun. Don't listen to them. They don't love you like I love you. And so she began to make one bad choice after the other. Having a girl controlled by a, a boyfriend is nothing new. Mm -hmm. But taking the steps to, to plan out to murder her mother and father and two little brothers, mm -hmm. that's a huge leap from, I love you, they don't. Let's go kill them all. Let's talk about the night that this happened before it all happened. Mm -hmm. I understand that night was a pretty typical family night. In fact, you guys had just had a pillow fight. Right. Was she involved? She was. She seemed normal. There was nothing indicating that there was something wrong. You realize now, at the time she's doing that, she knows 
not one of you will ever see daylight again. And that's what's been hard for me to wrap my mind around because she seemed so normal, so happy at that moment. She's laughing and playing yeah. and cutting up knowing you will be murdered within hours. 16 years old, does she really comprehend really what's about to take place? But you understand that's a pretty black and white thing. Mm -hmm. I've either got people coming here tonight to kill my family or I don't. Mm -hmm. And as we now know, this wasn't a spur of the moment anger sort of thing. Mm -hmm. she, she had planned, she had been involved in the planning of this. Right. That sounds to me astoundingly disconnected. For her to be able to do that knowing what's going to happen. But I think you've got the catalyst here of, of, of this teenage girl who has been making bad choice after bad choice. A, a bad choice is missing curfew. A, a bad choice is getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. But executing a plan to murder your entire family, bad choice just doesn't seem like big enough words mm -hmm. to wrap around that. When I went to interview her, not minutes after I was gone, she called you, did she not? And said, don't you go talk to him. Don't you be involved with him because he's trying to make me out to be a monster and say that I'm the mastermind of this whole thing, correct? Correct, correct. So what she told you isn't true. Right. Did she characterize my interaction with her accurately? No. So it tells me she's continuing to try to do that. So yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, the whole thing is crazy. It's got to be hard know. as a dad his daughter. talking about it and trying to like blame her. Yeah. Put the blame on her for everything. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he's protecting her. Yeah, I mean, he loves her, but he also, she, you know, had... Charlie kill yeah. <laughs> the whole family, but yeah, Ungrateful I mean, little bitch. I don't know. What? Ungrateful little bitch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. She had a great life. I don't understand, like, what just because of a fucking boy. <laughs> like how fucking evil and stupid people are. Yeah, seriously. Just to go and fucking like, and it's hard to fathom to kill somebody, but to kill two little kids too. Yeah, exactly. Like with a sword. Yes, I know, and claiming that's that she didn't know and was gruesome. Like that's absolutely. fucking like just. And yeah, and why? Why her brothers? Why? Like, because they were gonna be, you know, maybe they saw the whole thing, so they were gonna say something. They're like, all I just... fucking evil and deserve death. Yeah, they deserve death by fucking samurai swords. You know what? I I agree. <laughs> There's some cases where I hear that, and just like you deserve, you know, just as much punishment as yeah. what you did to these people, like how you murdered these people, like a bunch of times with the twenty two. And right. then fucking start slicing them up. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Jesus. You okay? Whoa. Call. Whoa. But, whoa. but like, no. these people just go to jail. Yeah, I know. Like, I and then they kill themselves or something, you know? And it's just and, like, know, oh damn it! Like, people were like, oh, there's no eye for an eye, and you know that's inhumane. You can't be like them and kill. Fuck that. Fuck that. So they just get thrown in the system, and we have to pay for their shit mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. Exactly. Not only that, think about this: the surviving father going to work, paying taxes, some of that tax money goes to prisons. Damn. Well, I never even thought about that. So a fucking victim with so much fucking trauma is help keeping these people alive in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I never thought about it like that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. It's freaking wild. And you know what? I, uh, Torture and death. <laughs> oh, God. Another thing I was thinking about, too, is what if they never set the house on fire? Do you think he would have just that's true. succumbed to being well, shot? 
How many times? The plan was fucking stupid in the beginning, and like, look how they got caught. They're fucking idiots. Oh, absolutely, and I'm glad they are, but yeah, Setting I know. furniture on fire to think the house is going to burn down? Yeah, like, well, the house did burn down, but yeah. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, eventually, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I'm so glad they're idiots, but it's just like, I hate saying that when I'm like, they're so stupid, but it's just like, I'm, I'm glad they're that stupid. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad Samurai they did do Samurai sword because... heated up with the flame. That would be good. <laughs> That's how they should fucking end them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, just blow off, oh, yeah, just those chill. I mean, everyone in to begin with, but they were only like eight and thirteen. It's just so sad, and it's just like those are your brothers, like and your mother and your father. I just it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But yeah, that's the uh, story of the the Caffey family murders. So thank you again, Sheila, for the recommendation. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Until next Monday, stay safe and be aware. Peace.